0: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. Heidi, uh, we have a wonderful show today. We're going to be talking to a social worker.
1: We're going to be talking with Christine Gallo. So we both have social work degrees. And uh, she went to Fordham uh, in New York City. So we'll be talking to her. And she is an author of, of The Littlest Guru. As you know, mom, and her daughter Ashlyn died while she was actually in labor. So we'll be talking to her about how she's found hope, how she's gone on to work in the fields, and you know any advice or information she can give to others that right now don't know how they're going to survive. Welcome to our show
0: today, Christine. Thank you so Hi, much for having
2: me. It's an honor.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on and, and talk about your book. You know, you uh, talk about uh, the hero's journey, which... I love in connection with grief and loss. And I know that you said to us earlier that you've worked in social work with a lot of people who've had grief and loss. And talk about why you named your book, The Littlest Guru, how it came about, and uh, talk about that hero's journey.
2: Absolutely. So um, my story began about 10 years ago, actually exactly 10 years ago this month um, my, our daughter was, um, bo- was born and she passed away while I was in the early stages of labor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, gosh, talk about something just, it was a shock. We, you know, had no idea, um, that this yeah. was going to happen. Now, is this your first child? This was our first child. Wow. That is really, really incredible. Yes. yes. To go to full term. Yes. Yes. I was full term. And, you know, it, it just, you know, I, After she passed away, you know, I I felt so out of control. And one of the first ways that I just felt so out of control was I remember being wheeled um, in a wheelchair by the hospital staff and getting into the elevator and they pushed the button for the surgical recovery floor, not the maternity floor. And I remember thinking in my mind, after you leave labor and delivery, you're supposed to go to the maternity floor. And instead, like, as if in some trajectory that I had no control over, I was being pushed in this wheelchair, like, into this new life, you know? And um, I spent the next, those days just lamenting on the difference between the surgical recovery floor and the maternity floor. You know, mentally comparing that their their cards on their flowers said, it's a boy or it's a girl, and mine said with sympathy. And how different the picture's on the wall. And, you know... I got it then that it, of course, I didn't belong on the maternity floor. You know I mean? That, that would have been right. cruel for me to have had to live through that. But at the same time, you know, I also recognized that in some way I, I didn't belong, you know, side by side with someone who had a hip replacement. You know, mm-hmm. it was like I belonged on some space in between those two floors. Yeah.
1: And, and I heard someone once say to someone that had lost a baby in delivery. I love this. They said, Congratulations for the fact that you had, that you carried a baby full term and had a baby and, and I'm sorry for your loss. Absolutely, kind of like absolutely. too edge, like you said, there was no like acknowledgement
2: that you actually had a baby, but you absolutely. were just pushed to this whole new world. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's all about the validation. And that's part of the work that I do, you know, professionally with loss is just awareness of that awareness of the fact that the validation is speaks volumes. It's just so mm-hmm. such a such an important thing. You know, one of the things, you know, I had heard, I read, I have remembered, gosh, back when I thought that these things only happened in books or movies, I had heard a story about a baby um, who was still born. And you know, it's funny, when I say that word, I say, still born, I separate the syllables, because to me, um, it changes the word, and it's part of one of the lessons that I learned in my grief journey is about, you know, taking back control in any little way that you can, and for me, one of the ways that I do that is I separate the syllables when I say that word, and it's powerful to me, because it's like I'm saying, she was still born, Right. you know? Right. Yeah, so, um, so, but what I was saying was that, you know, I had heard a story once about another baby who was still born and, um, you know, the hospital staff, now this was, I think, long, long ago, um, had put the baby in front of the parents after they held him um, and, you know, loved him, put him into a box to be taken away. And I always said that, you know, that that's, of course, horrifically invalidating. Mm -hmm. And of course, now we've come a long way where I don't think that that hopefully wouldn't happen now in, in this day and age, but in not validating, in not saying to the mother, when you come in and bring in her medicine that morning on the surgical recovery floor, you know, in not saying her baby's name and not acknowledging who she is you might as well be doing that it's it's just so invalidating you know so that's just such a huge part of you know being aware of that stuff when you do
0: this baby had a name ashlyn
2: absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. well
0: talk about why do you call her the littlest guru
2: um i call her the littlest guru because i always say that without ever speaking a single word she taught me monumental Lessons about life. Mm. Oh, the guru sure. is a spiritual teacher, and uh, she just taught me so much about life, and she changed me. She, she transformed me. And one of the main, you know, the powerful paradox um, that I learned was that I had always planned, of course, to be a mother who would teach my children lessons. And in fact, as I wrote in my diary, which the littlest guru um, began as my diary each day, my diary entries, as I wrote, I learned that, wow, I was in fact being the one taught the lessons. Mm -hmm. And I ended up reworking it actually into a fictional account. Um, And it's interesting when I decided to do that, instead of trying to publish it as a memoir and turning it into a fictional account, it was interesting. It was like, it it made it more about her for me, if it was me telling the story from somebody else's perspective.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And how do you start it out, the book?
2: Um, The book starts, the prologue is me waking up in the middle of the night, and this really happened, um, waking up on the surgical recovery floor and saying, oh my God, what happened? Because I woke up and I began to sit up not knowing where I was. And this was the first night Mm -hmm. after she passed away. Mm -hmm. And of course, my middle seared with pain because I sat up quickly after having surgery and I yelled, what happened to me Mm -hmm. into the darkness of the room? And my husband, who was laying next to me on a recliner, said to me, it, you know, and this is all in the prologue, he said, you, you know where you are, right? Do you, do you know what happens?' And then all of a sudden, it all came back to me, and I knew where I was, and I just fell apart, you know? Mm-hmm. So the book begins um, on, you know, with me waking up in the middle of the night mystified, in a way. Mm-hmm. And then um, it goes back two years earlier, right after the prologue, to um, the beginning of our marriage, actually. Now, now talk about the hero's journey. So in the book, the, um, the heroine's name is Nora. And so she um, starts, you know, when, when you, you kind of are first introduced to her and their marriage together, she each diary entry that she does, um, she starts it with what she had for coffee in the morning and then what she had, which wine she had in the, at the end of the day. And then afterwards, it's her diary entry kind of you know, in the space between coffee and wine, so to speak. Um, but something so true about her as a heroine, and which is also true about me, is that she always struggled with living in the space between, you know, she always wanted to either be in the past because she was a reader who loved classic novels. So she'd either be, you know, hiding under the covers at night with little women or, you know, the secret garden, um, or she'd be thinking about the future and wishing to be a mom and, you know, playing with dolls and pretending that she was a mom. Um, but she was never able to live in the space between.
0: Oh, I like that. So, yeah. so do you think that the space between is where we are when we're caught? Would it be caught in grief or Absolutely. How, do you, how do you visualize it?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so throughout the book, you know, you, you, as you get to know Nora, the heroine, you see that, that, you know, that's true of her at the beginning, but then again, she then laments on the difference between the surgical recovery floor and the maternity floor. And that's where she sets up shock, feeling like I belong somewhere in between. And you know, so she spends the next few months, um, you know, of her grief journey, just grappling with being in the space between and feeling like she's somewhere in between motherhood and not, That's and just story. feeling like she doesn't fit in. You know, that transcends, of course, the physical reality of the hospital floors. That you know, once she's discharged, she still doesn't fit in anywhere in the world.
0: Okay. So then you, you were in that space between talking about your life or rather, you know, in the book right now in the space between, and then you got pregnant with another child. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that, you know, what was that like for you? It must have been in some ways scary.
2: Oh my gosh. I I can't even put it into words how scary. Um, You know, I think that 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 is, you know, such a time for a woman who has gone through something like this to be so brave to have another, to have another baby. It's just, it just takes an incredible amount of bravery. And I knew that I so badly wanted to be a mom that I could do it and that I could withstand it. And I did and you know at the um the the littlest guru kind of um ends at that point but she you know she says she's terrified of doing that you know and she just knows that she has to find it within herself to be strong enough Mm -hmm. to do it because that's just always been her dream is to be a mom
0: and and how does your daughter how did she
2: impact you through that pregnancy she was just, you know, th- through through that pregnancy and, you know, beyond, I found, you know, one of the powerful lessons that she taught me was that, you know, society always tells us that, that grief and that loss is something that we need to overcome mm-hmm. or something that we need to heal from. And I guess one of the most powerful lessons she taught me was that I didn't want to overcome loss. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to be with me forever, a part of me, to, be tr- to transform me, not to be something I needed to get through or get past, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and I always say also, you know, of course when I was pregnant with her, she was connected to me by an umbilical cord, but you know, even now I can't tell where I end and she begins, she ends and I begin, because it's like she just seamlessly is part of me, and I think that that's part of taking back that control, you know, is changing the way that loss plays out in our lives, and having that person not be something we need to get past, but instead for them to just remain seamlessly connected to us.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I like that, so the continuing bond, she stays in your life forever. And she changes the way that you parent and with, with your other children. Absolutely. They are different because of her. And I mean, their lives are very different because of her in so many ways. You know, we bake cupcakes on the eve of her birthday. And then on her birthday morning, we, you know, they sit cross-legged on the grass at her grave and we eat cupcakes and sing happy birthday to her. You know, so they, the second half of Christmas morning, they spend sitting, you know, um, at her grave and, you know, planting a little pine tree. So uh, there's so many things about their childhood that's different, but in so many beautiful ways because of how I've changed, they are forever changed. And I, I, you know, I really feel like they're fortunate in that way, mm-hmm. because I think that the magic and the miracles of life um, are more infused into my parenting as a result of having gone through something so tragic. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that, don't you, mom? And I love the way mm-hmm. you keep her memory alive for the, your kids and incorporate
2: yeah. her into your family. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, this is really inspiring because I know we have a, a lot of people that have had stillbirths, but also a miscarriage, and so Heidi has had a few herself. So I'm sure you know. Oh, I'm Heidi, so
2: sorry, Heidi.
1: She's talking about.
2: Yeah. absolutely.
1: Because I think that we we're always saying we don't only grieve the the loss, but we grieve the future we thought we were going to have.
2: Absolutely like you
1: said it's weird to be in that space where you're not sure what your life is going to look like because you've had this, you've planned your life. It's mm-hmm. almost like you lived on the 14th floor your whole life and all of a sudden you get in the elevator and it's not stopping on the 14th floor anymore. And Absolutely. you're where it's going to stop
2: Absolutely, that's a
1: hard a place to be. And that's where I think a lot of people that are watching the show are in right now. They don't know.
2: They're not in the next chapter. They're waiting for it, and they don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, you know that space between. It's just it's such a it's such a hard place to be in. And you know that was why I wrote the book, not even knowing I was doing it. You know, I, I was always someone who loved books, and you know, lost myself and found myself in books. And and after she passed away, I searched for that perfect book you know, that that kind of talked about that space between. And I couldn't find it. And so I wrote in my diary, not even realizing that I was really writing the book that my broken soul looked for, you know. So so writing helped you in your journey. Absolutely. it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so healing. And it really helped me to process everything that I was learning each day.
0: And I I love the fact that you're talking about learning each day
2: from this experience. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's really how it felt to me. It was just lessons from her, lessons from her each, you know, each day I I, I would write furious, fast and furiously in my journal just because I didn't want to forget any of it. And I'm so glad that I did, because I don't know that I would remember every little thing, you know, the big Mm -hmm. themes, of course, I think, were so embedded in me through that year. But I think I'm so glad I wrote it all down because even little things, you know, I, I really remembered because I wrote, I wrote them down.
1: Well, and you can also see how your grief transforms and changes when you write it down. Because mm-hmm. some people feel like if you're having a bad day, you feel like, okay, I'm, my grief is stagnant. I'm the same as I was the day that I buried my child. Nothing has changed. But if you write about it, you can go back and look earlier on and say, wait yeah. a
2: minute, I'm not in the same place I was. Absolutely. There has been some movement. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really learned if you look, you know, if you look at in the book and you look at Nora's journey, you you really can see, you know, how angry she was, of course. It's just, it's really, it really is true that, you know, with grief, of course, nothing's linear about it. But at the same time, you really can see the growth if you watch the process, you know, and it's such a beautiful way to watch the process. And that is part of the reason I kept it as a diary, um, as opposed to when I, when I made it into fiction, kind of changing it into, you know, chapters or anything like that. I felt like keeping it as a diary really helps, you know, you to see each day incrementally how her life changes. Yeah,
0: I, I love the fact that you're talking about transforming and growth and all that kind of thing. It's, it's really inspiring to hear you. Don't you think,
1: Hyde? Absolutely, and lessons learned, because if we're open to it, we can look at what's been learned. I think we get annoyed and irritated and pissed off at, at first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the idea that we could even have any kind of growth or any kind of lessons learned
2: is almost offensive early on. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, it's so true. You know, I remember the first, one of the things that um, I talked about, you know, Nora talks about in the novel, is the first day where she realizes she didn't cry until after the sun went down and she feels guilty right you know and it was months and months in and she said oh my god i didn't cry until after the sun went down and she feels guilty and so growth in a way at first makes you feel that way it's almost the same thing as you know the, the cliche what people always say about the first time i laughed mm-hmm. you know it's 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 like guilt accompanies that you know Mm-hmm. It's so, so <laughs> Yeah. So tell
0: us before we close the show, you're a social worker, you work in this field, you've had this experience. What would your advice be to someone who has just had a loss? What would
2: you say early on? I think, you know, to give yourself permission to violently, before, of course, you know, here I am talking 10 years later about all that I gained. And I think it's not realistic to, you know, right away feel that that's possible. But to know, I think that that will be possible. But to give yourself permission first to violently mourn, just mm-hmm. to, to be so, you know, entrenched in grief is important at first. I think that, you, you know, you can't transform through grief until you feel it you know, on the very deepest level. And I think that knowing that that's okay for, you know, is, is just so important.
0: Well, thank you. And tell, how do people get your book? Um, right Day. now it's, it's
2: on lulu.com, which is um, a self-publishing site. So um, it's linked over there. If you, you know, if you go to that website and then you search um, the littlest guru, you'll, you'll find me.
0: Well, thank you again. And thank you for your great spirit and, and your inspiration.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. It was
1: wonderful thank to talk to you both. Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you so much for being a great example that we can find hope again after loss. Yes, definitely. Thanks. And thanks,
0: everybody, for watching this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and visit us at Open to Hope. God bless.